Hey everybody, Chris here. If you haven't listened to part one of this conversation with Maureen Beck, then I definitely suggest that you go back one episode, listen to that before continuing here. In this episode, we sit down in Red River Gorge around a campfire with a couple of bottles of bourbon being passed around and talk all about Mo's trip to the Lotus Flower Tower with fellow adaptive athlete Jim Ewing. Let's get into it. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 I think epic is, Yeah. I mean, everybody says their trip was epic, um, but everything went epically wrong on ours mm-hmm. is what it seems like. Um, we flew into Whitehorse and immediately half of our bags are lost, including our haul bag that had most of our climbing gear, bunch of our food, bunch of our cooking gear, um, a drill and some bolts that we were going to use to fix up the anchors in the tower, just, just gone. And, you know, I know every airline has this problem, but Air Canada really sucks. Like yeah. it was a terrible, terrible airline. Um, and the bag turned up a week later in a city that he didn't fly through and by an airline he didn't fly on. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, it was found Whose by, like... Whose bag was it? Uh, Pat Goodman's. Like, he came bag. along as okay. our rigger. And so he had all of his important, like, a lot of important stuff. So, like, Jim and I were fine. Our bags came through. So, like, as a party of two, we could still go climb the tower. But, like, Pat had the cook tent and Pat had, like, the rigging right, gear. Right. Um, and so, you know, we ran around Whitehorse, which is actually a really cool town with some phenomenal climbing and a really cool climbing scene. Um, and the locals there, they're, they're just like, take my rack, take anything you need. Like, nice. come sleep in our couch while you wait for the bags to come in. Like, it was really cool. Did um, this town also have the giant bear statue that you took photos? No, of? that's later. Okay. Yeah, that's later. Don't skip ahead. Okay. Let's, let's rewind <laughs> and I'll, I'll cut that part out. <laughs> um, so in a perfect world, you land in Whitehorse and two to three days later, you can be in the Cirque, like in your tents, kind of starting your expedition. Um, it took us 10 days to get to the Cirque. Mm. So we were in Whitehorse for about four days. Um, and then we stayed at the Inconu Lodge, which is a sh- six-hour drive from Whitehorse and then about a 20-minute float plane ride. You just kind of sit there waiting for the weather to take the helicopter in. Yeah. Um, and then what we didn't know before we left um, was that they're having such a terrible forest fire season out there that even though we had paid a $5,000 deposit in the helicopter, there were no helicopters for us. Oh, shit. So I think we had to wait an extra two to three days for a helicopter to finally... Like, How many days weather. are allotted for the trip? So we, door to door, I flew August 2nd and August 30th. Okay. So you've um, already, you're already one third of the trip yeah, and yeah. just sitting away. So like best case scenario, we're going to be 21 days in the Cirque was kind of what we were planning for. Um, and right off the bat, we were 10 days before we actually got there. Yep. But once we got there, and then actually in the Canoe Lodge um, has a myriad of stuffed animals just scattered around the forest as well as real grizzlies so we're stuck at this lodge the weather's terrible and you we flew in there so there's no roads you can't just like go into town all you can really do is watch fox news because the only channel they get oh great um in yukon territory canada and um you couldn't even fish it was too rainy and i thought oh well i'll go up to the airstrip and run or something and they're like yeah but you need to bring a buddy with like two cans of bear spray and the muzzle loader <laughs> i was like all right guess i'm not running <laughs> pass on that 
Um, so it was just ultimate boredom. Like one night we just decided to drink until 4 a.m. until the sun came up because we we're just like, well, we'll be so hungover tomorrow that will kill the day. That's one last day we have to wait. Yeah. Like that's just how bored we were. Like I learned how to play cribbage. I learned how to play chess. Like it was just ultimate boredom. Um, I would so much rather be stuck in my tent in the rain because at least you feel like you're somewhere and you started a trip. But just still right. just be kind of on the cusp of civilization, yep. just waiting for something. No roads in or out. No, is that was rugged. Um, but we finally got in after 10 days, um, and that was my first helicopter ride. And I've been in small planes before, but a helicopter is kind of like being in a Christmas ornament that a cat is bopping around. <laughs> like, you're making forward motion, but the thing is just, like, moving on some weird axes that right, like, right. I was really concerned I was going to vomit everywhere. Like, it... <laughs> It was beautiful and it was fun. It was amazing, but I definitely like, whoo. <laughs> um, and then when we got to the Cirque and we saw the tower for the first time, I kind of like shat my pants a little bit. Mm. It's 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 big and formidable and on top of a glacier. And I just thought, wow, I I knew I was out of my league in this trip, but now I really know that, right. you know. Middle whoa. of nowhere, pain in the ass getting there. And then this and now giant just, fucking wall. Yeah, 2,000 feet of just granite. Yep. Um. So we start 10 days late. Um, the very next day was the last weather window for about a week. And we just knew, we're like, we're not going to be able to off the couch, essentially, like fire off this climb. Um, and we also find out there are six other parties that were going to climb it that day. Same. Same, same route. route. Yeah. 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 Um, which is kind of insane for how remote it is, but it has gotten really popular in the last 10 years or so. Um, and so we just thought, you know what? Have at it. <laughs> like, we'll sleep in. We'll wait for the next window. Um, and we actually decided to just go up and do the first pitch, like once the other parties had lifted off. And, and you know, this is supposed to be one of the top 50 climbs in North America, uh, you know, one of the classics. And the first pitch is 5'8". And I, I usually like taking the first pitch just to get the, you know, get things rolling. But, you know, this was Jim's dream. And so I told him, like, you, you, you take this pitch, you know. It looks wet as hell, but, like, kind of fun. So this is your dream. Take the first pitch. Um, and I knew we were in trouble when he just started dumping gear in. It was taking forever. Jim is a very mm. fast, old school, efficient leader. So like his alpine rack is actually like four cams and a set of nuts. Right. So when he starts dumping gear in, I'm like, oh, something's wrong. Something's really wrong. Um, this entire mountain is just falling apart. So like it is classic. It is beautiful. But out of the 18 pitches, maybe four are actually good. The rest was just a choss pile like you would go to grab a jug and the jug would come off in your hand and you have to like pat it back into place and and like you were just placing 30 feet of pro that you know would never right would never hold in a fall yep and i'm like shoving my stump into cracks try to get purchased and they're coming out just green and covered in water oh man and so and then so our initial goal was to free it in a day and we were going so slow we're like this is not going in a day and we can't even free this it's so wet like um I had to learn how to aid climb, like, on the ground there. We Which might be more boring than sitting in Whitehorse. Yeah, it was pretty rugged. <laughs> so well, we also didn't bring anything. Boring and terrifying all the time. It was so scary. <clears throat> and we didn't bring anything to aid climb. So we were just doing clean aid, but like we didn't oh, have right, aiders. Right. We didn't have, yep. like, any anything to make it remotely easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took pitch three, and, as, and it's actively raining at this point. We're just trying to fix ropes so that when we do get a weather window, we can just, in theory, jug-jug and be on our way. I'm just trying to place gear in this crack. And every time I reach in, the water just pours down my jacket sleeve and like into my mouth. And and the cracks are all moss lined. So like I remember distinctly placing this number four, which is normally a very like friendly, fun size. Like yeah. you can tell when that cam is good and it looked good. 
and it just sheared out with the moss like mm -hmm. all the moss came out with it and it yeah it was terrifying um and that was my first ever aid pitch oh god <laughs> <laughs> and and then when it came time to jugging because we didn't bring anything our the first pitch jim jugged was with a prusik and a grigri and then he figured out um I think he managed to borrow an actual ascender from someone in camp. So then he had an ascender to Grigri to do about 300 feet of jugging. Right. Two pitches of which were free hanging. Um, to this point, were there times where you were like, <laughs> I should have just stayed in Denver and not yet. for world championships? Not yet. Not yet. Because okay. um, it was still <clears throat> fun in a sick way. Because mm -hmm. um, in between those efforts of fixing pitches we had a five day stretch of just 10 time. Like there might be a cut down in the drizzle where you could go for a little bit of a walk. Um, but it was just 10 time. And I kind of liked it. Like I found out I can nap for however long I need to. Um, <laughs> I need that skill. I, it's, yeah, no, if, if it's like, Hey, nothing's going on today. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'll be in my tent 12 hours from now. So were you on separate tents. We, yeah, we were. Okay. And that was totally worth the extra weight and extra everything. Yeah. Like there's four of us in our party total. And, and that was definitely the sanity. I like Pat, keeper. but I'm not sure I could share a tent with him for five years. You know, days. I spent a lot of time with Pat, and I'm also glad that we had our own tents. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we had a shared cook tent, so we had some social, social yeah. space, but cool. even that was a mess. All, there's a couple prime spots that are stage right under boulders, and it was so crowded we didn't get that. So we were just out in the middle of the field, exposed, had this kind of like Tarp City tent thing for our cook tent. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just, you know, I can nap like a pro. I read a lot of bad sci-fi um, played a lot of cribbage and shoots and ladders and I kind of dug it. Like it's still, when you, when you could look at your tent, like my tent just faced the Lotus flower tower. Right. And it was just, it was so cool. So maybe because it was my first trip, even though it was a lot of downtime, I was still just kind of in awe of even being there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was pretty incredible. Yeah. So you're, you've got the first three pitches fixed. Mm -hmm. Do you get a weather window to We finally push? do. We get... Well, we kept thinking we were getting one, and then it kept pushing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Friday's going to be sunny. Now Saturday's going to be <clears> sunny. Now Sunday. Um, so we finally went up, I think, a week after we first got there. Is when we were like, let's do this. Um, and at that point, we knew we were going to bivy on the wall. I had never bivy before. I didn't bring bivy gear. Again, we packed according to this plan of trying to free yeah, it in a day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you almost have to. Otherwise, you just end up with too packing much, for yeah. every possible scenario. Yeah. And we made do. So we were lucky that, um, you know, Pat, while he was rigging the fi fixed lines for the film guy, Taylor, um, he was able to at least bring all the food and water up to the Bibby Ledge so that Jim and I only had to bring our, like, personal gear. Um, but even that, like, I've never jugged. I had never jugged a pitch, period, before this trip. Never. Never. Um, no and then, practice in the gym, nothing? No, because we weren't supposed to. <laughs> I even asked, like, it, this. Where, where the hell did this rule come from? We weren't supposed this, to. Uh, well, so this spring, I was like, hey, Jim and Pat, because Pat's been up there a bunch. I'm like, what skills do I need so I can, you know, contribute to the team? Like, do I need to learn how to haul, blah, 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 and jugging? I specifically said, do I need to practice jugging? And Pat was just like, no way, we're going to free this sucker. And I was like, all right, cool, sweet. One thing, one last thing I have to do. Yeah, Pat, you fucking say it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so not only am I jugging for the first time, like with a full rack and I think a spare rope for the actual summit attempt, I had a backpack that was like a 50 liter pack with two sleeping bags mm -hmm. and just, it was suffering. Sounds like suffering. Yeah. Um, and then we actually started climbing and pitch four is where we started free climbing and it was horrific. Just picnic sized table flakes that looked fine and they would just start shifting under you. And it was five, seven, 
but it was still steep and it was still it was just like yeah on top rope i was terrified now i know pat's been up there a bunch Mm -hmm. has did you ask him if this was normal had something changed was there some strange freeze thaw cycle no the only thing that i changed was the crowds um it's a really old mountain range so pat knew it was a choss pile going in yeah okay totally um, and you know, you, you read that it is, but it doesn't really sink in. Right. Cause when you look at photos of the tower, all you see are those oh, beautiful railroad splitter granite yeah. and yeah. it's not, that's, I mean, those pitches are there, but most of it is just terrifying loose choss. Pitch five was pretty good. It was kind of fun, like sporty climbing, mm-hmm. but then you move into four pitches of chimneys mm-hmm. of a chimney, single chimney is four pitches long what? and it gets wider and wider and wider. And again, it's like, it's five, seven. But I have this giant pack on, and at this point, right. it's getting dark. Um, and these are full pitches. Like we would, we would, Jim would call down at like 62 meters of rope on our 70 meter. They were full pitches, mm-hmm. um, and he ended up leading them all because I was just <clears> so gassed. And I had so I took the giant pack. He still had a big pack of like four liters of water himself. Uh, and I remember on that last belay, that's when I finally was just like, "This sucks. Like I'm wet." I just finally, it got wide enough to do a true chimney where your butt's on one side, your feet's on the other. And as I'm doing that, tagging my pack, water is just pouring down my butt crack. Like, it is just yep. not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like 11 o'clock at night, it's still light out. But at that belay, I was just like, this is not fun at all. Like, I didn't cry, but I got close to the first time I ever cried while rock climbing. Hmm. And it was just, just utter like despair i think um yeah was, and i mean you didn't go into this thinking it was going to be a sport climbing trip so no and i, I knew there were, would be some suffering but it was just somewhat mentally prepared already the level of fun was much lower than i had anticipated right. yep. <laughs> and then the last pitch to the baby ledge there's spots where you're just like digging your nails into mud because it's a grassy like steep slope with no gear and it's awful um, but then I pulled up onto the ledge. They had a hot dinner waiting for me, you know, um, and the ledge is huge. You just kind of tie in around your waist and, and relax. And, you know, we fell asleep. It, it was the best night of the entire trip. It was like 50 degrees. No, not a breeze. Stars are out. Northern lights are out. Hmm. Um, and so we fell asleep and I was just like, and, but the whole time you're staring up at the head wall and I thought, okay, well. Oh, sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Where on the wall at this point are you? Like this is about halfway? nine or 10 pitches up. So okay. a little more than halfway, but the money pitches were next. So, right. you know, the first half, the hardest pitch is five, five, eight. Um, so above us was a bunch of pitches of five, nine, the Cox pitch at 10 plus, um, some more eights and sevens. Um, but we went to bed thinking, you know, that sucked, but at least now we won't have the packs. We should be able to like switch over to fast and light and just kind of blitz this. Yeah. Was the thinking. And then weather does what? The weather was phenomenal. Okay. Okay. Weather was beautiful. Jim woke up with a stomach virus. Oh, fuck. (laughs) And um, we wake up and he looks at me and he's like, I don't feel good. And I was just like, oh, no, that's that's nerves. Like, you're fine. Um, And then he start, we knew he was going to take the first block of about five pitches because it was just too thin for me to like get a stump on anything and place gear. Sure. Um, and he got one pitch up and then just started vomiting while he was climbing and just like total, (laughs) total systems collapse. And so I already wasn't having that much fun. And now I have my partner, like we're on, and it's hanging belays at this point too now. Right. So he's like, we're passing gear back and forth and like mid, Hey, can you pass me the number? And he just has to like turn over and like puke on the other, like, yeah. If if he had actually puked on me, I probably would have quit climbing. Like that would have been it. Yeah. Um, but eventually he switches. Do we have this on camera? 
Sadly, no. Because, oh, um, you know, the, the camera guy, Taylor, he had been held back by the weather like us. So they were trying to race ahead to fix pitches for him to film on, um, which worked for a bit because you're moving so slow. And he eventually switched to aid. He was just like, I, I'm just too sick to actually, like, make free moves. And he's so shaky and pale and clammy. I just felt so helpless. I was like, I wish I could just take the rack and, and fire this off for us. But I can't, like, I cannot climb i can't lead this right so he switched to aiding um and those gorgeous railroad track photos you see that look like just total splitter they're not it's really thin really flared really shallow and like i just weird i'm getting yeah i'm things. getting hit by clumps of moss <clears throat> like he's chiseling out this nut tool so he can place micronuts like yeah uh, so you're actually face climbing these really cool fun knobs but they're slick and you know I, i'm in these big sloppy comfy all day shoes that i'm not used to yep. just wishing i had my sport climbing shoes to just mm -hmm. like laser in on these knobs but um so finally we reached the fixed lines that the film crew had set um and that's kind of when we just failed on our attempt to do it they just jim and i um so jim switched to jugging and they had left us a pair of jugs and so jim would jug the pitch put me on top rope and i would just follow it so i at least i got to climb a lot i was just able to relax top rope stuff yeah and we did get to the pitches where i would have been comfortable leading but by that point it was like three o'clock four o'clock in the afternoon and we were like, let's just get to the top. Mm -hmm. So we cruised as much as possible. I switched to jugging in the crux pitch because there's this roof. And I was so exhausted. I was still exhausted. You know, we maybe had a liter of water between the two of us over two days. Not enough food. And the last thing I wanted to do was punt on top rope under this roof and just be stuck. Yep. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to jug the rest of this thing. So we ended up jugging the last three pitches. And the final pitch was another horror show. Just five, seven sliding picnic tables grossness Jesus. and jim is vomiting the whole time he like it's not like he cleared it out of his system and was good he was just still puking the entire time um so i finished first i got to top it around seven at night i bring him up um and we're actually too exhausted even to go to the proper summit we got to the summit anchors and we we're just like get us off yeah um and we had to wrap because the pitches are such full rope lengths you're actually making 17 wraps it's not like a normal climb where you do 10 pitches and five wraps this is a full 17 wraps right. um and it got dark fast i was the only one who had a headlamp because or someone had an emergency headlamp but we had left the rest of the gear at the bivy ledge thinking it would be done well before then um and it got dark before we got there you know jim overshot an anchor so he fortunately had the rack with him so he just like built himself an anchor and then was just alone on the wall until we were able to wrap past him <laughs> on the second wrap <laughs> like um we started, you know, knotting our ropes like you're supposed to, and they just immediately got sucked into these giant fist cracks at the top. Yeah, and I just of course. I remember hanging there just like, and we didn't have a knife because Pat left the summit early to try to clean up some of the rigging. And I'm not sure why he left early, but he took the knife with him and we didn't know he had the only knife. So I just remember hanging on Wrath, delicately trying to fish these ropes out of these cracks mm. thinking, and I can see the knot and I'm like, please, please, please. Like there's nothing I can do if these get stuck. And they came out, fortunately, but, and then we get to the bivy ledge. So now we all have, um, but Pat forgot to leave us water. So we still don't have any water. <laughs> um, we have our headlamps now, um, but now it's totally dark and we start missing wrap stations. Um, Jim over, Jim had the most Alpine experience by far, probably the entire group. Um, and so we're just like, Hey, even though you're sick, I think you should still go first. Cause you're the most likely among us to be able to like in the dark, find these wrap stations and just kind of know the way. And he did great until he missed a station. Um, and these wraps are all so long, it always looks like they're gone forever. Um, yep. You see the headlamp just kind of disappear below you. 
and you can't even hear them. It's a very faint, you know, off rebel. Like right. it's kind of terrifying. Um, and he missed one station and didn't realize it until I was about 20 meters above him. And he goes, all right, so here's the thing. You're going to have to wrap off the end of one of your ropes and catch this thing where he like, he's going to toss me a length of cut tat he had found tying to, and then I would wrap off the end of my ropes onto the anchor station. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but by this point, I was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get any worse. <laughs> Why not? Um, and when we missed that station, we actually missed when Pat retreated off he fixed something like six of the wraps on fixed lines so we could just zip down them on our grease, but we missed that no. so we're still doing manual wraps with oh, three no. of us and we're just going one at a time we're not simul wrapping i don't know why we weren't simul wrapping like we're wrapping down a different line at a certain point the... yeah because to avoid the chimneys you go so the top half you wrap the route but then the bottom right. half you don't want to the chimneys are chopped stay out on the face somewhere. so they, there are different wrap stations <clears throat> um and all the books just say take the find the wrap station inside the bivy ledge and go down like right. there's not a ton of guidance out there so. yeah yep. <laughs> um so we finally do find the top of a section of fixed line look up and see the rest of it we're like oh crap that cost us like two hours um, but by the time we reach the fixed line, it is just zip, zip, go. Like, I've never gotten down three pitches faster in my life. And I think my boots are on the ground at 2.30 in the morning. And my legs were acting like they were attached to a drunk lady. Like, I was so dehydrated, <laughs> so underfed, and I've been, like... But your legs are fairly used to that, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, and it's a scree field. It's a scree field, too. So it's like, not only are they not working, but, like, you're just surfing scree. Um... And yeah, and like, and you spent like two days, better part of two days just hanging in your harness. And like, you know, I had a comfy big ball harness, but there's only so much they can do like after that much, you know, and especially three of us wrapping together when you're out the wrap station, you're just like uncomfortably close. We hadn't showered in two weeks. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, just getting down. And then what should have been a 45 minute back hike back to camp took us two and a half hours. Um, Jim's stump had pretty much just exploded into an abscess from oh, just being in a socket, God. being hit by a socket. And we were about a mile from camp when he was just like, I have to take off my leg. And he took it off. And the first thing I heard him say was, oh, God, I can smell it. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty brutal. Um, And the worst part about this is we get back to camp. Pat waited up for us. He felt really bad for leaving us. And I panicked when he looked up and saw our headlights. We were still like seven wraps off the deck. He was like, you guys took forever to wrap. And we said, we know. (laughs) We know Mm -hmm. it took forever. We were there. It sucked. Um, but we went to bed at like 5 a.m., but the sun rose like 30 minutes later. Right. And so you're just lying there in a hot tent, and it ended up being two more gorgeous days of weather after that. But we still had to hike back up and get our gear because when we got down, we were just like, I'm not carrying an 80-pound pack out right now. Like, we dropped our packs, dropped our racks, dropped our gear, ropes, just took, like, water and a layer mm-hmm. back to camp. So then the next day, we had to rally and hike the two and a half miles back up load and jim couldn't walk so we had to take his stuff too so we probably had 80 90 pound packs out the scree field um and i thought that was hard like i thought that whole experience was the hardest thing i'd ever done this you know the summit was bittersweet because it wasn't the style we wanted sure jim was still vomiting everywhere but you know jim's dream was to do the whole all adaptive free in a day and for me the more things that went wrong the more i learned so for me it was a better trip probably like the suffering was greater but i learned way more yeah um you know, when we were down, I thought that was the hardest thing I'd ever done until we hiked out. So we took the helicopter into the Cirque, but the plan was to hike down to Glacier Lake, which is four miles 
like two miles straight down and then two miles across grizzly infested bog is how it was described to me. Um, how to, long did Jim have to rest his he was out for a day and a half. stump before he had to hike So he out. actually still, it's now, that was end of August. It's now end of October and he still has to syringe drain this abscess. So he just had to hike out with it. He had to deal. We actually thought about, you know, he has the whole global rescue thing <laughs> through the Alpine Club and we were just like, man, maybe we should just use your insurance and get you a helicopter out of here. And while they're here, put all of our shit on it so yeah, we don't have to carry totally. it. Yep. Uh, but, you know, he's pretty stubborn. He wouldn't do it. Um, you know, he's actually ashamed of the fact that he was puking on the whole climb. He was like, don't tell people that. You know, I'm not proud of that. And I'm like, dude, that is the most badass thing I've ever seen. It's pretty badass. That you were like, yeah. had a fever, vomiting, and you were still like, we're going to get to the top. Like, I'm going to claw my way to the top. Like, yeah, brag on that for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's just a human thing. Like, I've been, I've been sick here for two weeks and I'm complaining like I'm a three-year-old child, you know, <laughs> um, probably worse than a three-year-old child. So, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're, <laughs> when you're up on a wall and you if you get sick, it's not like you chose it. It's not like you made mm-hmm. the decision mm-hmm. to, to bail or something. It's just, it's what's happening to you. And I told him he should. There was a point where I was like, man, I can't lead. Like, we're not that close. Like now you save a fever, we should bail. But yeah, in the back, no of one s- would, no one would yeah. say anything. But he was bad doing the math it. where it's like, you know, <clears throat> our drop dead date of getting out of here is like the 27th and it's the 20th. And we know there's another week of bad weather coming in. So this right. actually is our only shot. He had this dream. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he dug deep. Um, so he hiked out once and we all had these like horrible overloaded packs. Like mine never broke a hundred, but everybody else's definitely broke a hundred for each trip they did. Um, and it's, yeah, two miles straight down, two miles across, an awful trail. Um, and I did that hike twice in a day, Whoa. like empty pack up, loaded pack down. And like my knee exploded. I'm covered in bug bites. Oh, there was bees, like ground wasps at one yeah. part of the trail. Yeah. And like Horrible the, little things. Yeah, like the Belgians were just like, oh, be careful when you hike down. Like there's the bees. And we totally forgot about it until all of a sudden Taylor just goes, what's that buzzing? And we're just oh, no. <laughs> covered in bees. And we never did see a bear. Just a Pat Goodman shaped yeah, bees chasing bees. you. Yeah. yeah, it was it was awful. And like Pat taught me, he's like, okay, once we're down below tree line, every five minutes, blow your backpack whistle so the bears know we're coming. And mm. at that point, I was just like, wow, I'm really out. Like, no, this is not no. And so, and, you know, the climb was hard, the hardest thing I'd ever done until that hike. Right. And the hike was just necessity. Like, we had to get out. We had our float plane pick up. Like, we had to leave. But it hurt. A How lot. soon? How soon after the trip did you and Jim start talking about going back? He was pretty keen on right away. Yeah. And actually, I was too. Like, while we were there, while we are still, you know, back at the lodge and back in Whitehorse, I was just like, man, that was cool. And now that I know what I'm in for, I want to do it again. I was kind of hoping I'd hate the whole thing so much that I would just check alpine climbing off my list because mm-hmm. I have too many hobbies. And But um, I actually had so much fun. And, and being on an expedition, like, there's such a purpose to it. Like every morning you wake up and you either do task A or task B. Like if it's sunny, you do this. If it's rainy, you do that. It's all, even shuttling loads I liked. It was just really fun to just be like this machine-like operation. Um, but the further away from it I get, I think, okay, I learned a lot. And yeah, I'm bummed we didn't get this summit the way I wanted, but I would rather take these skills and apply them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe go to the Bugs, maybe go to the Dolomites, just like maybe Patagonia, but someplace else. Cause Places that aren't quite as chossy. Not as chassis, yep. Um, cheaper to get to, maybe. Like it's you know, it's an expensive trip. I think just between the helis and the float planes, it was like eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate I didn't have to pay for it. But um, man, so, it, without the heli, we'd have had to do that awful hike up. 
Right. But kind sure. of because of the heli, we had too much crap to hike out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Jim still wants to go back. Um, but I think I, I actually saw him on this road trip and I kind of broke it to him that I don't think I'm as stoked to go back as he is. Yeah, he's still gunning for the all adaptive he wants it. Reset. He wants it, but I, I think <clears> now he would, he'd rather do, um, like he really wants to do Astro Man. Oh, nice. Now that he's sands a leg and stuff. and Yeah. Yeah, wants to sick me on the corner pitch. We'll see. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, no, Jim is good for me. He really comes up with crazy ideas and actually does them. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Is this your first, like, partner who's just put it all out there that way? Or is that just something you're used to already? You know, he's probably my first mentor, I would say. Okay. Which is kind of funny because I've been climbing for so long. But he's the first person that has, has been climbing hard for decades. Um, you know, he helped write the book on anchors. He designs climbing ropes. Like, you know, right. I can ask him any stupid question and he never treats it as a stupid question. And like, I think even after 20 years of climbing, everybody will still have stupid questions. Sure. Um, and yeah, he has really taken me under his wing and I just, I know he's not going to kill me. Yep. So, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I even accepted this trip was that it was him as the partner. He might make you miserable. He, he's yeah, he even, he warned me of that. He's like, this could really suck. And I was like, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. How quickly, once you were back, did you have to start switching your brain over to world championships? You know, I didn't even have time. I was so wrecked from the trip. I think I got home on the 30th of August and September 7th, we flew to Austria. Hmm. And I was just like, I think I did one day in the gym just to remember how to climb a plastic. But I was just so, I was down 10 pounds, not in a good way. Like, my legs are really strong, but like, not, you know, it was so wet, like, I guess I went into the trip thinking, oh, if it's raining, I'll still do like core and push-ups and like maybe hang the flashboard somewhere. And just it didn't happen. Sure. Like, I don't know how people can do that, but yeah. it just didn't happen. Um, so I, you know, I went in knowing I was probably in the worst case scenario shape. Um, so I got third, mm-hmm. um, which I expected. I think that what's really cool though is this new girl on the scene is so strong that even if I hadn't done the trip and I had trained, had thought I trained really hard, she still would have beat me. Who's the new girl? Yeah, her name is Celine and she's French. Um, and it's kind of funny because she started rock climbing after she had seen my film pretty much. Or mm, like she had, cool. like five years ago, she had Facebooked <clears throat> me and been like, oh, I'm a one arm climber also from France. Like, do you have any advice? And I gave her whatever advice I had. Um, and then she got. Now you're wishing you would have given her Yeah, bad I know, advice. right? <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then I guess like she got, she's like, oh yeah, I saw your film three times while I was training for Worlds. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. And she's so stupid strong that I don't think I was ready for that level. Yeah. It's kind of cool that even if I hadn't done the Alpine trip, that she would have beat me anyway. And so now, I mean, that's, I guess that's another reason why I'm not super hot to go back to the circuit right away. Cause now I'm so, I kind of want to be done with international comps. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's what I was going to ask because, (laughs) you know, you talked when we spoke at OR about moving into this coaching and mentorship Mm -hmm. role and how excited you were for that. Did this feel like an exit of sorts? Were you? So it kind of did. So we had a massive team of 30 plus athletes and I was so proud of how the whole team did. And I probably spent more time like thinking about the team than my own like focus on the comp, but maybe knowing that I wasn't in great shape helped me kind of just write off the comp a little bit. But Celine really motivates me. Like I want it to be done this year. Um, but instead I am going back next year. Mm. I'm as signed up as you can be this early for Tokyo. Um, 
my whole goal for the next 10 months is just to be as strong as I can be. And you know what? Honestly, I might still get second. Like I could be a full-time training comp climber and she could still beat me because she's so strong. That's a really good place to be actually. You I know, think it's cool. Yeah. I was at a comp uh, <laughs> years and years ago with my daughter when she was competing and a friend of ours who should have been in the elite category had just entered in advanced and I was sort of chastising her a little bit for sandbagging and my daughter who at the time was like eight years old or something was like well if you know you're gonna win what's the point of competing Mm. and I mean it's true it's not really a competition at that point so having Celine out there driving you and knowing I might get second I might go in the best shape of my life and still get second I think that's a pretty fucking cool place well and I've never been more motivated because like you know, I've always trained for comps, but like, I mean, I think that's what this whole year taught me is I've always tried really hard and had success. I've had so much success, whether it was the project and you know, the film was success, like two world championships. And this is the first year that things just didn't work out. Like I trained my ass off for the Cirque and we didn't get the summit like we wanted. Um, you know, I, I thought I was training pretty hard too for worlds and I just didn't pull it off. So it was like two, I guess, losses, mm-hmm. but they've left me more fired up than ever. Yeah. So no, it's not going to be a quiet exit. At okay. All. <laughs> Good. That makes me happy. But you're still going to continue the mentor coaching role. Yeah. I assume, no, I, because I, I really you want to do I, everything. I swear, at I really once. am done after Tokyo. <clears throat> I promise. <laughs> okay. I'll believe it when I see yeah. it. We'll, we'll check back in after Tokyo. Um, well, I just, um, from a training perspective mostly, because I'm just really jonesy on, on outside climbing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's still hard. Like, even if I'm climbing outside sport in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, but I should be doing this kind of thing at the gym. Cause like to train for comps, you have to be in gym. Yeah. Um, and, and even if it's like winter training in the gym for outside climbing, it's different than it's just, yeah, it's, I'm fortunate that the comp scene is getting so competitive that I can't just coast anymore and I can't have it all. Like I really, it's getting to a point where I have to pick and choose. Um, and I think that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you worded <laughs> it that way. I'm glad you said you're fortunate that it's, that it's switching to being more and more competitive. Yeah. And you can't just coast through. Yeah. So I think there are still some people trying to coast. It's not working out for them. Yeah. It will. And it's like, it kind of means you're selling yourself short on, on all of the aspects. Yeah, totally. So, um, I mean like this road trip now that we're on, we're at the end of it. And I feel like I'm finally remembering how to rock climb. After eight days on. After, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we hit so many great areas and I'm like, this is great. I'm going to come back next year when I'm actually in shape. Yeah. Because, you know, this year was kind of all about sacrificing everything for everything else. And, and I'm looking forward to being able to focus for sure. Cool. All right. I'm looking forward to it too. Can't wait to see what happens next. So thanks for sitting down with me again. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a little disappointed in all you guys for not <laughs> heckling and throwing things in. So... <clears throat> I you mean, just, like, you need new friends. You Mo. guys, I got puked on. You need Let's worse friends. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, I had nature's glacial bidet. All for, like, <laughs> 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 oh my God. Cool. Well, thank you a ton. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. <laughs> While I was at CWA, I got to sit down and watch a screening of Adaptive, the film that 
was made while Mo and Jim were climbing on Lotus Flower Tower. And while I, you know, while I think it really conveys the idea of adapting, obviously, and it also touches on, you know, the limits of the, the human spirit and how far we're willing to go to, to complete these objectives that we create for ourselves. I think it also is a really great examination of what it means to have someone on your team who's willing to push really hard for your goals and and make them their own. And and I know from watching the film that I would love to have Mo on my team at any time. And and really I think that's what it comes down to whether it was Jim on Lotus Flower Tower or um, the adaptive athletes that she works with and helps. I think she's she's in it for everyone else's best interest as well as her own. I heard rumor that she has either very much slowed or stopped her notorious partying ways in order to really buckle down and train for the Adaptive World Championships, which I think is really, really exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. It's practically a dynasty, and honestly, I root for dynasties. I know some of you like the underdog, not me. I'm a dynasty guy all the way. Like I mentioned in the previous episode, you can find links to Mo on the internet right there in your pocket supercomputer in the show notes. Also, if you navigate your way to our website for the post about this episode, you'll find links to other films that she's been involved in, her National Geographic article for being Adventure of the Year for 2019. And once you're there, of course, check out our new Spring Tanks, which will be there in a couple of days after this comes out. So probably by the time you're hearing it, those are there. If they're not already sold out, Make sure you get yours before that happens. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. You can search for us all day on Twitter. You can find Mo's posts from 2017 on Twitter. But as it goes now, we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.
was just standing there, and she's like, don't worry. My granddaughter loves that song. And then walked off. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But she was your classic, like, Southern prep. Like, you know, she had the riding boots on. And And she was really drunk at that point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I've never heard of this song. Oh yeah, and I'm in the background, <laughs> one cocktail deep. I'm like, I know this song. <laughs> Mo's dancing on the table. <laughs> Mo, you should sing us a song because I, I think at least half of us have not heard it. Before. I've never even heard of it. It's uh, it's participatory. If I just sit here singing it, it wouldn't be as good. Wait, what's the part? Walk us through participation it. part. Uh, everybody has to do it. Okay, go ahead. We're it's, in. It's really easy to pick up on. So basically, Hold that mic up while you do this. <laughs> I wonder if the red light was on. So the story here is there's a family of sharks, and we're going to walk through all the family members. Oh, wow. Starting with baby shark, do, 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 baby shark, do, 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 do baby shark. You got to do the hand motions. Do, 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 baby you shark. have to do the hands. And then it's like, mama shark is bigger, daddy shark is bigger. And then my favorite is grandpa shark, because you bring your fingers in, because he doesn't have any teeth. He doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> He's like, grandpa Poor grandpa shark. <laughs> Did she get to grandpa shark on no, the porch? it was just baby shark. But like, she was like, <laughs> she was like making a shark motion. Like she did daddy shark in place of baby shark. Like she did daddy shark motion. Yeah. Baby shark's supposed to be baby shark. But it gets really dark, because then the whole family sees a swimmer. Like sees a swimmer, sees a swimmer. And there's a shark attack. And then it's like, lost a leg, dude, dude. And you're hopping around in one leg. And it's like, lost, oh, lost an arm. I'm not even kidding. Like, as I was singing this song at the at the distillery, I was like, huh, this is really dark, actually. <laughs> Never thought about this when I was nine. But these sharks, like, eating the swimmer until you're just, like, on your knees. And you're just like, swimmer's dead, dude, 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 oh dude, 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 really? dead. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is Girl Scout camp. So. Wow. What do we do to our children? <laughs> I mean, I turned out okay, I think, yeah. but you know. <laughs> yeah. This didn't affect you at all when you were, when they got to the. No, I think I thought it was cool because I, I think I wore a prosthetic at that point. And I would just like pop it off and wave it around, like ah. Totally happened via shark. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent.